Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Kinexus Continuous Improvement Podcast. I'm Mark Raven, a senior advisor with Kinexus. And we're joined today. Uh, we have two guests from one of our customers, Memorial Health System in Marietta, Ohio, and uh, in that Marietta, Ohio area. They are Lynn Howell and Mary Huck, and they'll introduce themselves a little bit more. So let me first off say thank you for being here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're glad to be here. Um, so Mary, can you start off first and tell us a little bit about Memorial Health System? Yeah, so like you had mentioned, Mark, we are in Marietta, Ohio. That is on the southeastern border. We are along the Ohio River. We have um, multiple sites and locations within about an hour's driving distance from the main uh, Marietta. And we have inpatient and outpatient services, and we stay around 3,000 employees. And to hear a little bit about your backgrounds, because I know you have different professional backgrounds, but you've both ended up working uh, in process improvement. Um, Lynn, can you introduce yourself first? Yeah. Um, so my name is Lynn Howell, and I um, have been with the organization for about 10 years. So I started here right after I did my undergrad, which was uh, in respiratory science. I have a bachelor's of science in respiratory. I worked on the floors, worked in sleep lab, and that's kind of where I got introduced to lean. Um, I did a bunch of Kaizen's. They, that's when the our organization had just started that um, and became very interested in the department. Um, from there, I managed some clinics and completed my master's at a high university. Um, and then I joined the team about four years ago. So it'll be four years in August, I believe. And uh, I completed my black belt with more steam. Mm -hmm. So I have a black belt in Lean Six Sigma. I have one kid, one dog, and I'm married. So that's <laughs> uh, my big uh, story, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's a good rundown. And um, this is putting you on the spot. Do you remember what your first Kaizen was or one of the first? Yeah, it was actually like world hunger. So um, <laughs> they were trying to do patient throughput, uh, inpatient throughput. And so basically when they had brought in frontline staff and I was a frontline staff member in respiratory at that time, they had like this big map up on one of the boardroom walls. Um, and we were working through patient mission to discharge. And I basically how those big Kaizen's went kind of guided how our team worked from that point forward, um, because it was really hard to pull people out, frontline staff out for weeks at a time. Um, but it was my first introduction. We got to present our ideas to admin on how to fix like our pieces of the puzzle, which was really great. And really like, I'm like, I, I, I like this and it's something I want to learn more about. So, yeah. Well, good. You were hooked to good first experience. <laughs> That's great. Um, Mary, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Uh, yeah. So my clinical background is uh, my associates is radiologic technology. So I started in the system a little over five years ago as a x-ray tech. Um, and I then went to educational services. So I worked in the education department, teaching um, hospital orientation and um, supporting the ancillary departments. I transitioned to this role about three years ago as a continuous improvement specialist. 
Um, and been loving it ever since. And I think yeah. we are still working on throughput Lynn. So <laughs> like you said, it's never ending. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I have a little bit of flashbacks when we, we have started this in the last uh, year or so. Mm-hmm. Everything comes back. Yeah. Well, that you're, you're right. That is a big sticky problem. A puzzle um, is a good way to describe it. But I, I guess with each improvement, you kind of chip away at the problem. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, like I think you calling it a puzzle is true because that's one of the things I love about this job is we get to see all the different pieces and how they connect together. So that mm-hmm. is a huge part of throughput of understanding each different department's role together. Well, and I think uh, the departments and the fields that you both come from are part of many different patient flows. So I don't know if that helps give you a better appreciation for, you know, getting outside of your silo, if you will, and being able to look more broadly. Yeah, I've worked, um, you know, respiratory and in the clinics. So I think it's always interesting to see when we talk about throughput, because we are an inpatient outpatient health system, how those two interchange each other. Uh, One of our big projects I was, I'm going to kind of bring up, but was our, we're working on improving outpatient access, and now they kind of want to flip back to inpatient. It's kind of, and we we brought up that improving outpatient access may hinder our inpatient flow because they utilize the mm-hmm. same resources. Mm-hmm. And our team kind of a lot of times is the person, the person or team that bridges those gaps because we are so familiar with so many different areas of the health system. Yeah, that's great. And and Mary, uh, I'll ask you the same question I asked Lynn. Do you remember what your first Kaizen your or one of your first improvements that, that you formally worked on was? Uh, yeah, my first improvement, I went out to the um, revenue integrity department. So I went to there a lot of the backside of healthcare. So I was able to kind of bridge the gap between understanding what the frontline staff is doing and how they're documenting can affect um, what the back end is seeing for the billing department. So I thought that was a, a great first um, opportunity to start uh, learning um, all the different areas of the system. Mm-hmm. And, and so, when, you know, so maybe Lynn, we have an opportunity now to, to take a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the terminology and, and methodology that's used there at Memorial Health System. Um, I, I know you use the term process excellence. You know, can, can you tell us what that means and a little bit about your structure there? Um, so that is our department's technical name is the process excellence department. Um, and it kind of came about our director uh, went for operational excellence for his master's and mm-hmm. they kind of crafted the title off of that because it was a new department. They sent him for that, you know, that master's program to lead the, the our team now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people still call us the continuous improvement team or CI mm-hmm. team. So I think if you would ask what that means in our health system, it really depends on who you're asking. So if you would ask admin, I think admin would see us say that that means we're facilitators of change or initiatives. Basically, if they come up with an idea of something new that they want to try with their leaders or with the health system or a big problem, they kind of present it to us and we come back to them and say, this is what this would look like. If we want to work on this, this is how we think we should approach it. Kind of give them that guidance on um, their big thinkers and we're the doers sometimes how that works. Mm -hmm. So um, 
I think if you would ask the frontline staff that we work with, they would see us as helpers. Um, they, we, a lot of times we'll, when we do go into areas, we, we are just there to improve their flow, whether it's helping them figure out how to work Excel, which seems really silly, but it literally can change a frontline staff member's day and they are, we're there to listen. So I think if you talk to people we've worked with, frontline staff, they, they just see us as blending in. They see us as a help. Um, they know that we mean change. Sometimes they're hesitant when we first show up. So that's kind of people that haven't worked with us at all. They just usually see us as someone admin sent sometimes and don't know why we're really there until we start working with them. Um, and then leaders or people we're coaching um, through the different belt systems, you know, they just see us as a guide. I think they sometimes aren't sure why they need to, a coach until they meet with us for a while. And they're like, and then they just keep coming back even when they don't have to anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. You talk about those different names and, and I, is it fair to say they can call you whatever they want as long as they call you in to yes, help and exactly. coach? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we always say we're available if you need us. And I, I, I don't really care. Sometimes I even call us the CI team just so people know that to reference. So mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter to me what they call our department. Sure. Um, anyway, you talk about, you know, kind of the, the need, the time and the place for helping. Sometimes you have to step in and do, I mean, it, it, and in healthcare, it can be a challenge to get people's time dedicated because patients are still coming in. Like sometimes people use the analogy of, you know, trying to um, replace an engine on an airplane as it's flying through the air. You don't have the luxury of calling time out, shutting things down. What, what, are, what are some of the ways that, that you help navigate some of that? Um, I would say as we're going into projects, we don't start having work sessions until they're needed. So we, since we follow DMAIC process, we really spend a lot of times just doing observations. And in those observations is where we start to build those relationships and kind of talk to them why we're going through the project. Um, and But if we are recruited to do a project in an area, um, we will tell the leader we need to have time with the staff and you need to give them that time. Um, it's kind of setting that expectation up front that we will need the staff help to do this. We're, we're not going to come in and just give you the answers because we don't know them. Um, so recently I was in the wound center. So we have um, we had like weekly work sessions one day a week for an hour and they had their lunch and you know, we had great feedback. And then as we don't need them anymore, we can taper them off as we like move into improving control. Um, I think that's pretty consistent across the board um, as far as projects and getting that time. Now leaders, they have a harder time even with that, just stopping to do coaching. A lot of times for us is just telling them you are already doing the work. You're doing this stuff. And Um, we utilize Kinexus to track that work. And right now you're doing all this work and no one even knows you're doing it and you're buttoned up against people. So sometimes once we can get them to see that um, and really know that that's not an extra step, it's to help them and to be able to celebrate all the hard things that they're working on. it, It really starts to sink in with them. And, and Mary, I'd like to come back to you in a second to talk about your title and role of CI specialist. Lynn, what, what's your title there I'm within a C- this? Yeah, I'm a CI specialist as well. So okay. we're at the same. 
So you're both CI specialists. So I was going to bounce it back over to Mary, if you could maybe, you know, elaborate on um, what, like maybe there's the formality of what the job description says, you don't have to read the job <laughs> description, but there's the formal role. And then, you know, what, what do you try to make of that role being a CI specialist? Yeah, the formal role is leading improvement projects. Um, but really, we start observation somewhere and we set our KPI from the beginning. This is what we're going to track. But when you get in there, there are all these other little things and that you kind of become that person for the staff, you know, they'll come to you with little questions or, and if you're able to do that, you know, that we can get their buy-in that way. Um, they start to trust us and they see that we are here to help them. And we take, we kind of become um, a middleman for them. So we try and be their voice when we can to um, represent them and how we can help them in their daily work and what they see and hear and what our patients hear and see how it is for our patients. So, um, and with coaching, we kind of sometimes become just someone to bounce ideas off of, you know, a couple of years ago, we started, um, we have a program initiative called value enhancement and every leader in the organization um, was required to do some sort of project or just do it and to track it and connect us in. So our team divided up um, different leaders and who we coach. And I was lucky enough to get a couple who, even though when we took a break on value enhancement, still continued um, wanting to meet and just doing that coaching, I think just to double check, getting that second input kind of were their internal consultant. So getting that second kind of feel idea, um, hearing about what other departments are doing with this issue, um, we're kind of able to bridge that gap for the leaders. So probably not in our job description, but mm -hmm. definitely a bonus. Yeah. As all other duties as necessary. <laughs> yes, that is definitely in there, I think. <laughs> as assigned or as necessary. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear you both mention, you know, you talk about starting with observation and whether you're using DMAIC as a structured framework or let's say if someone's using um, the A3 methodology um, from a you know lean terminology or method standpoint. I mean, I think the one common theme is trying to uh, avoid jumping to solutions. So I was wondering if you could elaborate on that a little bit. Hopefully you're not being brought in to say, hey, go implement this. You're you're following a methodology. Well, we may be brought in and told that, like, this is our yeah. goal. We want to add staff or we want to get rid of, uh, you know, we want to get rid of staff. And we always say that's not what we're going to do. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But we will kind of go in and say, you guys really thought the problem was X. And then when we dove into it, we've seen all these other things. And mm -hmm. I, I think one of the best things for our project is that we basically guide the project. So we, we are the ones that are saying, this is what's actually happening. Cause we'll go into projects and the leader's perception of what's actually going on is a lot different than what, mm -hmm. what is actually going on. And once we start doing observations and we're able to bring that back to the leader and, and they're like, Oh, I didn't know that. Or I didn't, I didn't ask that or any, any of along any of those lines were kind of able to shift that leader. Cause a lot of times the leader thinks that they need to do the work or they know the answer. I, I coached um, a supervisor he was sitting through yellow belt class and he's like, they just need to work harder. That's all they need to do. 
you know, and if, and if this other department would fix their problem, then we wouldn't have a problem. So when I was coaching him through his yellow belt project with the solution that they implemented was something that didn't have anything to do with that other department and help them reach their goal. And he's like, yeah, Lynn really had to like beat me up to get me there, but I I understand. Uh, He ended up eating his words. Yeah, he did. (laughs) So I'm like, you can't go outside and tell other people what to change before you're, you can say you've optimized yourself. And I think that's something that we bring again, like just knowing this health system, the ins and outs of a lot of places, being able to talk to frontline staff, like they'll question why something happens. Well, actually, you know, this is the process for that. And they're like, oh, I I had no idea Um, because they're, they're stuck in their silos. They don't, they don't have time or get that time to go and see the, you know, and the customers on the other end or those that are feeding them their work. Yeah. And I think when we go into areas, we get to ask the dumb questions, you know, so like the leaders, they're supposed to be the ones who know it all. And we get to ask, we call it the dumb questions, but there's no Mm -hmm. dumb question, but we get to ask the, why do you do it this way? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that helps a lot understand the process and the history and the background to it. Um, well, this, it helped there, this other part department changed what they were doing. So to help, you know, we had to change this way and we're able to be like, well, I don't think they're actually doing that anymore. Um, so that's kind of yeah. nice when we are able to do that. Yeah. Well, th- there's a real advantage and a benefit to coming in, um, fresh eyes maybe is a more positive way of, <laughs> of framing it, right? Because you're right. They're not dumb questions. I mean, you know, some people use language around, um, you know, humble inquiry. Like you're, you're asking questions that you don't know the answer to. Help me understand. Let's, oh, yeah. let's figure this out. And we and- don't understand their process. So that's why mm-hmm. we have to get to that. And I think when we start asking why, it starts maybe making the staff ask why as well, because mm-hmm when they're in it every day, you know, there's, it's just their life. They don't really always understand that there's another way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Lynn, back to your point about um, coaching. I mean, I I love the way you describe sometimes a coach has to disagree or push back or challenge things. Like you said, you might be brought in. I've been in situations like this. We think the problem is this, like, well, the problem is actually something else, or here's our solution. I say, well, time out. Do we, have we defined the problem yeah, properly exactly. and then you get into your domain process. Yeah. That's it. A lot of times I feel like, or we get called in and they're like, we don't know really what's wrong. Just mm-hmm. that something's not right. So then mm-hmm. it's kind of, we do a lot of time just even helping them figure out what is the true problem of what's going on here. Um, so I definitely think we, our department, I would say, has a lot more liberties of freedom of opinion. A lot of times we're allowed to kind of push back on those leaders and kind of present the facts of what's actually going on. And um, I think that, you know, that makes us feel good, too, in our department that we we can help guide leaders and say this is what's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And we're coming from a good place. We're trying to Mm-hmm. you know, improve the processes for the patients and for the mm-hmm. employees, you know, it's, we're coming from the right perspective. Yeah. 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 So they respect that. Yeah. Um, you know, Lynn, you've touched on some of this a little bit, you know, we talk about um, 
facilitating projects. You've already sort of talked about kind of a shift from doer to helper to, to coach. Do, do you remember, was there a point in time, was there a light bulb moment where you started to make that transition or was it just more of an evolution as this work has developed? Um, I think one of the major decision points was actually prior to my, right before I joined this, this position, um, they shifted to requiring our leaders to complete our yellow belt program, which can, which you had to complete a yellow belt project to graduate. Um, so we kind of started the, the team of that was here originally, then started coaching the leaders on how to complete those projects. And I think that kind of shifted because that's a heavy load at that. I forget how many people were in that first class. Like I think it was 300 or something like that. It was a huge number of people um, to get through initially. And we've continued to do that. We twice a year with COVID, we kind of split it up into the classes, the smaller classes that we're doing a little bit more often, but um, we shifted to dedicating that time to helping them work the project versus us just coming in and telling them the solution. So kind of forcing them to slow down. And then um, I think it's been two years since we implemented this uh, VE project. So that was us getting matched up with a director and coaching them through projects. And then in the last year, we've shifted to systemic value enhancement projects. Um, so we will do system-wide projects and facilitate with frontline staff and the leaders in those organizations and work sessions, um, working, all of us working on the same projects, um, or same goal. And we still do go in, like I I'm on a project right now on a psych unit where I just am the one facilitating or doing the project. I'm going there, I'm living there. Um, we have other people in our team that are living in other places, but it it's kind of more, it's just more coaching because we do have so many um, leaders. Mary Beth talked about, um, you know, we have buildings an hour in both distances. We're in Ohio and West Virginia and we continue to grow. So as we continue to grow, we continue to gain more leaders. Um, So we we're continuing to spread that world word. Um, and we also have started allowing frontline staff to um, be in our yellow belt as well. So that's just more coaching as, as we coach more um, and Mary Beth's going to talk about belts more, but um, yeah. yeah, that, uh, that really was the shift. I think it was just kind of, they were like, okay, the CI process excellence team can't do everything. They can't, they can't do this. If we want this culture change, we're going to have to have the leaders, you know, own this and listen to their people and, Again, it's forcing them to slow down, at least for that one project. And we have people that go on to do more and some that we have to really pull through the project. So, Sure. So that's a good segue to our our last topic. Mary, if you can talk a little bit more about the belt training and certification process, what are some of the levels? How does this work? Yeah, so... The first level, we have different levels and um, it's all training done by our team. Um, So we have white belt, which is the majority of our frontline staff. So they attend, um, we have it online now through teams. Um, So we do a one hour um, training session. They walk away with some to do's. Uh, They do a waste walk in their area. So getting them to look for their waste in their work. 
And then based off of their waste walk and what they see, they are entering an opportunity for improvement into Kinexus. So we're getting our frontline that are, you know, involved in their work and want to improve their work into Kinexus mm-hmm. um, and their improvement goes to their leader. I think with once we've really um, started pushing for this white belt, we in the past, I think our five year goal was to do 1000 frontline staff. And I think we did it in about three years. So I think that's a huge um, win that we have the frontline who want to be involved and want to um, work on their work. Um, And by doing the white belt, we've also got a lot more interest from the frontline into the yellow belt, which like Len said is required for all the supervisors and directors in the system. so they've been do- we've been doing the yellow belt for probably four or five years now. I'd say uh, before my time in the department Six years, too. yeah. Six um, <laughs> when they started, but we've uh, grown that a lot. Um, we do it's a two day like in training in person in a classroom, and I think what's really what we've adapted it, and we do a simulation. Um, in a healthcare system, um, food delivery. So it's something that everyone can kind of relate to and understand. And as we do the sim, we do the tools that we're requiring for Yellow Belt. So not only are they learning about the tools, but we're able to see how you can apply the tools when you leave. And then when we coach them, um, each person that goes through, we assign a coach from our team and we help coach them through their A3. Um, each of their projects are submitted in Kinexus. We've built a template um, and it has like the DMAIC phases in it and the different tasks that we require under each phase of the DMAIC. And I know a lot of us, when we're coaching, we keep, we have Kinexus up and that's how, what we're following. It's mm-hmm. their guide and it's our guide to keep us on track um, of their to-dos. Um, and, I, and then once they complete all of the required tasks, they um, get to present at leadership roundtable. So to their fellow leaders, or we have them present um, just one or two at our monthly meeting with the admin team. And that's been, honestly, I think that's been a huge win um, Mm -hmm. for these, for our leaders getting to do that. And our admin team, you know, our paying attention and they're super involved and they're asking questions and follow-up questions. And um, I think it's been a great connection showing our admin team as well, the work that our leaders are doing, mm-hmm. um, improving their areas. Um, and then once they complete their yellow belt, we do have the option for green belts. That mm-hmm. is an additional three A3s that mm-hmm. we require. Um, we have another, a different template built for green belts in Kinexus. Um, and again, they still have their one-on-one coaching, but we are more hands-off with them. So they don't require as much, um, I don't want to say hand-holding, but as much one-on-one time because they have completed already and they do know um, what the expectations and how to do the tools. So, yeah. Well, it's um, an effort and, you know, uh, a culture that has uh, really grown. You know, I had the opportunity to come visit um, the main hospital it was maybe eight years ago when your director, Mike McGowan, was doing the MBOE program at Ohio State that you mentioned earlier. Um, I was uh, coaching and mentoring him, so I had a chance to come to visit. And it's just been great to hear how 
um, you know, the, the team and the, the effort has, has grown over time as he's been put into this role, the team has built and grown and, um, you know, we're really, really happy that, that y'all are Kinexus customers and that we can be a part of that equation. Yeah. And I think to show that, um, more people are involved, we also have leaders who are going for their black belt. So it's not required oh. for their job. So mm-hmm. we have, um, some nursing leaders, um, in our quality department as well, um, who are going for their black belt. So I think we're definitely growing the culture little by little here. Yeah, I was going to touch on Mary Beth that our team is required to do a black belt program um, as a new member. That's your like basically your first year. Your job is to complete the black belt through more steam and then um, to which that's, you know, two projects and a test. Um, So that's your first year. And that really and Mike, um, when both of us joined uh, our director, he he made sure to put us in areas that we weren't we weren't super familiar mm-hmm. with. So I didn't go to clinics and I didn't go to inpatient. Um, I went to a pharmacy. So um, just to help us grow. So we actually yeah. have two new temp, um, team members that aren't healthcare at all. So it's been interesting to see them adjust to yeah. uh, that role as well. So yeah, because when you're sent to an unfamiliar area, you can't fall back on, well, I've seen this before. I know the answer. That shortcuts yeah. the demaic process mm-hmm. or undermines it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you um, for sharing so much about uh, what you've done and what you're doing. Maybe as a, a final question, you know, what what what's one thing that's on your mind in terms of what's next, you know, for the rest of this year? or beyond? What's next for you or for your process excellence team? You can go ahead. You've been working with the... Um, I think for what's next for us is we're, we're, we're just continuing to kind of dive into inpatient world, I think is while the initial project, the first ever big project they did um, with the was throughput, I feel like we it then went more to worry about outpatient clinic operations, that kind of stuff. And we're, we're really diving back into inpatient um, ED throughput and kind of, like I said, connecting the outpatient world that we know so much about and the inpatient flow that's so broken, um, which is in healthcare is even more challenging. You know, COVID pushed a lot of people to a lot of different places. Um, we've changed how we're staffing and all kinds of different things. Um, but I think just a, that is really what the main focus for our team is going to be in the next year, I think is really focusing mm-hmm. on um, the patient's experience and how it outpatient and patient affect each other. I, I feel mm-hmm. like we're at that point and we have some really great leaders, physician leaders um, as well that are really behind that and we're having the right talks and the right people there. Um, mm-hmm. so, and then I don't know. Well, the other things. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I know like for myself, I'm going to be, I'm working on, um, observations in all the different areas that use our EHR and seeing how we can um, improve their processes mm-hmm. by improving the EHR. So how our EHR can help us. Um, that's one thing I've been getting to start on, uh, Again, get go to all these different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's not a project, observations, and we're able to pass the information on that needs to be passed on. Yeah, a lot of times people come to us because they're like, "You just see things so differently." Mm-hmm. Um, so 
that's a Mary Beth, the, um, the person from IT works with our team pretty closely and wanted someone from our team to go and watch, even though they have people from IT looking, they want us to look too. Um, so. Uh, but that's, that's another big effort. Um, you went from, you, you described the whole uh, patient flow experience as world hunger, maybe working on the EHR that's world peace. That's another big <laughs> one to take on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Both things that I don't think we'll ever stop working on in our careers. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, keep working at it. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're doing that. So um, again, our guests today have been Mary Huck and Lynn Howell. They're both um, continuous improvement specialists with Memorial Health System. So um, thank you for being the guest here today. Thank you for being a Kinexus customer. And thank you for sharing about what you're doing. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah, well, it was good. fun. <laughs> good. Well, thanks for listening. To learn more about Kinexus, the company, our software, and our team, you can go to www.kinexus.com. That's K-A-I-N-E-X-U-S.com.